Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor. Today on The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I got into the Russell Westbrook for John Wall blockbuster trade. And then we went around the league and talked about some of the news, including Anthony Davis and LeBron James extending their deals with the Los Angeles Lakers. All that next. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict. Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin! This is our first show posting on the new The Mismatch podcast feed. We do have a new feed. Thank you Ooh. for all of you that are listening on that feed. For those that are not listening on that feed, go subscribe to that feed wherever you get podcasts because it is available. To do it. Just look in the description of the podcast right now. If you're listening on the old Ringer NBA show feed, there'll be a link to the Spotify or Apple feed or just search for the mismatch in order to find it. And it would mean a lot to us if you're able to do that now. Get it over with because, you know, we're not going to appear on the Ringer NBA show feed anymore. And it's because of you guys that it's awesome, Chris. You know, it's really cool getting our own feed. And I'm going to tell you, um, totally overwhelmed these last few days with all of the incredibly nice messages and people that came out of the woodwork um, congratulating us or being excited about it with us saying that they've been with us or listened for a lot of time. Some people said they found us during the quarantine, whatever it may be, but I'm very, very grateful to all of you out there. And and on a side note, Kev, we have been inundated. I know because I've seen your feed, uh, whether it's like Instagram or Twitter or whatever, with the Spotify putting out the year-end stuff yeah, and it's showing what people listen yeah. to. Mm. My goodness gracious. I mean, absolutely overwhelming how many people have sent. And the amount of time that, that you have listened to this baloney is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, I couldn't man, listen to myself insane. that long. I saw like some people, like it said, 6,000 minutes, 10,000 minutes listen to the Ringer NBA show. And I hope to see next year that for the mismatch. 
Because you got to go to the mismatch feed in order to get our podcast now, Chris. And this one is airing on both the Ringer NBA show feed and the mismatch feed. But starting on Tuesday, it'll all be on the mismatch feed. All right. Let's get to fighting. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) anything involving a Russell Westbrook trade, I'm sure. I want you to take a very, very, very deep breath. Just very deep breath because here I come. And I am coming with the fires of seven hells. Okay. Okay. I have taken in all of the analyses over the last 24 hours. The story broke about 24 hours from when we're recording this on Thursday night, on Wednesday night, that there was going to be this trade between the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards, Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Now, somehow along the way, over the last couple of years, I have become a Russell Westbrook defender. That was never my intention on this, but I have, do have great respect for him as a player. As I watched this story unfold and I saw the reactions to this story about how uh, the trade where nobody wins, two bloated contracts traded for each other, whatever, whatever the case may be. And that was the general sentiment. I was absolutely floored. The dislike slash disregard for Russell Westbrook has gone so insanely off the deep end that people were acting like this trade is anything close to fair when he is traded for a guy with the same contract who we have not watched played basketball since 2018 and is coming off a Friggin' Achilles injury. All right. <laughs> like, this is absolutely unbelievable. It under any other circumstance, people look at that trade and they go, What in the hell is Houston doing? What are you doing? It'd be different if the contracts, if one ended before the other. But if we're just talking about level of play, peak John Wall was not what Russell Westbrook was. So now you're getting a guy who's coming off of two years of injury. It clearly makes Houston a lot worse. It clearly makes Washington a lot better. I'll listen to arguments about the pick, but in terms of the trade, this was a this is a robbery. A robbery. Well, I mean, this is a situational trade. You had Russell Westbrook, who wanted out of Houston and did not appear at Rockets training camp. And according to Mark Stein tonight, James Harden has yet to arrive either. They expect him by Sunday, Um, but we'll see about that. But Westbrook didn't show up. He didn't want to be there. And there just weren't that many teams that had any interest at all in trading for Russell Westbrook, except for the Washington Wizards, because they were dealing with their own John Wall situation where, you know, he wasn't super happy about the fact Bradley Beal was the number one guy there, it seemed. And also, for the Wizards, they had never seriously considered trading John Wall until Russell Westbrook became available. And you know me, Chris. I am number one Russell Westbrook hater on this podcast. Maybe an NBA media and, and all together. Maybe. Everybody. I don't know, I don't know maybe, about everybody. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You're I, up there. I, I've ripped him quite a lot. I'm, I'm in like the all-ripping Westbrook 
<laughs> media team, which I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm fi- I think my analysis of him is fair. And that's why I say this is an obvious upgrade for the Washington Wizards. You gave up a heavily protected 2023 first-round draft pick with John Wall. John Wall, who's coming off of <laughs> a ruptured Achilles, has not played basketball in two years, who has a style of play that's largely dependent on explosiveness on attacks at the rim, on burst, on his drives, and just sudden change of direction. Go Those guys, historically... History's not kind to people coming off Achilles injuries like him. So for 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 Washington, I just want to quickly summarize this. I wrote about this today on the Ringer too, just quickly. Like for the Wizards, this is a a desperation move in the sense that you need to make the most of these next two years, or else Bradley Beal is a goner. He's a goner, and so you get an upgrade despite Westbrook's flaws, despite the questions of the fit with Beal, which we'll get into. This is an upgrade, and for the Rockets. It is also a desperate move. Harden wanted out. Westbrook wanted out. You don't want to trade Harden for all the reasons we've got into in recent weeks. He's a top 10 player, an MVP candidate. You don't trade those guys without giving it a shot. But Westbrook, you know, I've heard a lot of people in that front office viewed this as an opportunity to maybe recalibrate, maybe get better. And with John Wall, maybe he'll work out. I'm not optimistic that he'll be anywhere close to the same guy that we saw pre-injury. But even the guy we saw pre-injury was not prime John Wall. He was starting to be starting to decline a little bit. So for Houston, it's really a last ditch effort to make things work with the new personnel. You get Christian Wood there now, get a new coach in Steven Silas. It's a last ditch effort to get things to work with James Harden before there's no option but to trade him or you lose him for nothing in free agency. It's a desperate move for both teams, but it was a move that had to be done. All I know is this, Kev. If we would have discussed a week ago what you could get in return for John Wall, even as much as people don't like Russell Westbrook, it's insane to think that they got that. You would think like you would think you're attaching all kinds of first and like just to try to get off the contract. It's because he like, wanted out and nobody else really wanted him. Charlotte had some level of interest until it it turned out they were going to get Lamelo Ball. New York, like their interest, from what I understand, was minimal at best. Like they'd want more back in return with Russ to get that to happen. And then the Clippers, I reported weeks back, that they were one of the teams of interest. That seemed to fizzle very, very quickly, and so that really left Washington. And for Washington, they're just like there wasn't interest in Westbrook anywhere. There also wasn't much interest well, in John Wall. This was th- these two teams had to work together. They had no choice. Reading about well, first on the on the on the on the injury front, just for people to understand, because I was covering Mike Conley when he went through his Achilles issue, and there's. And that wasn't a, a ruptured Achilles, so that was like an Achilles sprain or something a, like that. Well, right? what they do is you've got a rub in the back of your heel and they go out and they extract this. And then you have to rehab in order to, you know, because you're worried you, if you keep playing, you are going to rupture your Achilles. Okay. So wall got that same thing done that Conley did. And then in rehab tore his Achilles. Yes. And that's the terrifying part of this, right? Because he he was already going through rehab. And then to read David Aldridge's story, and this is just kind of slipped in there, but there was obviously a lot of stuff with Wall and Beal and that whole deal. And one of the things that is mentioned was that Beal 
didn't necessarily feel like John, like he didn't know how long he's had to wait to, for John Wall to be John Wall again. And yeah. that he didn't necessarily take his rehab as seriously. And whether that's fair or not, that's how the guy feels. Um, beyond that, he also makes the point that the owner, Ted Leonsis, as well as Tommy Shepard, the general manager, were absolutely furious about the shirtless photo where he throwing up gang signs that went around for John Wall. Just obviously a regrettable situation. But across the organization, there was some disappointment with that. That he's facing the franchise, and they, and they were very, it, it very mad. It about wasn't it. the first time, the first time that we know about publicly, and not the first time privately yeah. either. And they were they were super upset about that, and so that 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 whole relationship and everything uh, had run its course, okay. And and John Wall, they they didn't want him to be part of the organization anymore. He didn't want to be part of the organization anymore. You've got the weird dynamic with Beal already, and then you have the whole Westbrook thing, which was a one year stop in Houston, and now he heads off to Washington. The one thing I will recoil on, though regarding in my defense of Russell Westbrook. And it, I understand that you have acknowledged that you're a hater. Um, <laughs> last, you know, I listened you, I, to the emergency pod. But I think more than anything else, I'm brutally honest about it. Okay. Him. Well, here, brutally I'm going to be brutally honest okay. about this. I was listening to the emergency pod. And one of the things that I have gotten bothered by with everybody, not you, everybody talking about Westbrook is this idea that Russell Westbrook is who he is. He hasn't changed his game at all. And this is what you're getting, this ball hog, this inefficient monster. And (laughs) I will circle back to, there's a website I like a lot. It's called theringer.com. And they have a writer there (laughs) named Rob Mahoney, who's very good. Rob, Very Rob, good. Rob has beautiful words. His, yes. his vocabulary is so much more vast than mine. And it's I unbelievable. will tell you, right before <laughs> the NBA season stopped, Rob Mahoney of the ringer.com wrote the following. Russell Westbrook is bending and opposing defenses are breaking. And he chronicles all the ways that Russell Westbrook had transformed his game in the second half of the season that before January 1st, he was taking 40% of his shots were from the restricted area. That number ballooned up to 52% that his field goal percentage went from 52% in the restricted area to 63% in the restricted area that his true shooting percentage moved to 573 behind James Harden and right behind LeBron that he led the league in drives. He scored 15 points per game in the paint. And in fact, there's only two guys in the whole NBA that scored more points in the paint uh, on average. And that was Giannis and Zion. That's it. That's the list. Giannis, Zion, and Russell Westbrook. And like, I, I feel like he did. Now he got COVID. He had the quad injury. But there's even quotes from Mike D'Antoni in the article about, and it's like it's like January to March didn't happen. He started off terribly. He shot the ball like hell. But guess what he stopped doing? Shooting. He stopped shooting those jumpers. And yeah, maybe I'm, I, I don't know. I guess there's excuses or reasons. But 
I I feel like it's a legitimate excuse that he would he was injured and coming back from COVID in the bubble when he tried to play in those playoffs. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean for Washington, the, the, this is why it's a win for them because w- Russell Westbrook was playing some of the best basketball of his career prior to the hiatus in March. No doubt about it. He was adapting. He was playing a different style. And partially it was a response to the system. Partially it was a response to the fact his jumper wasn't falling, which is one of the inherent problems with him. We saw that pop up in the postseason despite any problems with coronavirus, despite the quad injury. Defenses don't respect his shot in a postseason setting. They lag off of it. They sag off of him. They give him space and he often doesn't make them pay. That's a whole different issue. With Washington, to me, it's going to be very interesting to see the way these two fit because with Bradley Beal, you have a player who, despite the fact he wasn't named to the All-Star team, despite the fact he didn't make All-NBA, averaged over 30 points per game. And he was incredibly efficient. He was unbelievable last season. He took the leap. He went from two-time All-Star, very, very good player, to somebody who is in the discussion to be a top 10, top 15 player in the league. Is he that yet? I don't think so until he does it again, until he does it when there's actual winning expectations. But he looked like that level of player. So Bradley Beal did that by becoming an on-ball monster. But before that, why he was a two-time All-Star, why he's been good since he was a young player, was because of his off-ball prowess, coming off of screens and pin downs and handoffs, cutting to the rim, moving and relocating off-ball. He's awesome in that area. So with Russ... You know he can handle the on-ball. You know he can run pick and roll for you and find Beal, create shots for him. I am excited to see how much balance is there. How much is Russ off-ball? How Because like, John Wall, Wall is a better shooter than Westbrook. He shot over 38% on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts since 2013. Russ is sub-30%. So there's a big difference between those two with their three-point shooting ability. Is that something Russ got better at over the offseason? He's not leaping as high? Did he change his shooting mechanics? I have no idea. We'll find that out during preseason when we see some footage of him shooting. But I am that's the big question for me. Westbrook could be perfect for Beal if he's able to at least be somewhat of an impactful player when Beal has the ball. Because of what Westbrook can bring as a passer to create for Beal and make them an even more dynamic offense. I also have recoiled on the whole ball hog, ball dominator. I mean, this guy, like Kevin Durant averaged over 25 points a game every single year. Ball George was in the top three in the MVP voting. James Harden didn't have a bad year. Like I'm saying, what is the playing with another star? Just the idea that it would negatively affect Bradley Beal to me is silly. When you look I at mean, there's three different guys that have had amazing seasons along playing alongside Russell Westbrook. That is not true of all kinds of guys. When I say it could negatively impact Beal, what I mean is you have this person who's just turned 27 years old and who has gotten better literally every single season of his career. And the biggest leap happened last year when he went from very, very good to great. That's the toughest leap to make. And he's somebody who I know when I reported the story in the Wizards back in July, they said they were talking about extending his three-point range to 30-plus feet. They want him to become one of those guys that isn't just pulling up at the three-point line like he was. He used to be somebody that pulled up from mid-range. 
Beal was a mid-range guy, and then he became a three-point guy. I think this now takes they're trying so to turn much him pressure off of him. Well, it, I know it, it takes it, pressure you know off, I mean? but what I'm saying is like there you still need to give room be you still need to give room to Beal to be the player that he could possibly be. And with Ross, I hope there's just balance in the way their two roles are structured. To me, Beal is still the one, the number one guy on that team. And I hope Russ is able to adapt and allow that because there was the report about how Russ wanted back his old role where it was more like what he had in OKC. Hopefully it's more like what OKC had with Durant. If it's Durant and Russ, this could work wonderfully for the Wizards, for for Beal, for everybody. Same coach. Same coach. Scott Brooks. Who loves him. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what. If you're Washington, there's no way you make this deal. All year long, it's been about how Beal and Wall are excited to play with each other. They're looking forward to get back on the court and see how it works. One of the reasons why they both had their contracts lined up. There's no way, no way you do this trade unless Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM, is getting approval from Beal, getting a sign-off from Scott Brooks that there's interest in, you know, in having Russ back and coaching him again. There's no chance this deal happens for Washington, which is why for them, I'm really excited. It's a risk in the next two years. Damn well, got to go well for them or else Beal's a goner. But this raises their ceiling. And the only way to keep Beal, the only way for any of them to keep their jobs is to win. And this helps them win more basketball games. One of the things that I think that, and this is, this is just a a feeling that you have about guys as you watch them, as you watch them that don't, it does not always stand up uh, on paper. And that is the, the impact, like people can laugh at like culture and they can laugh at foxhole guys or whatever you want. Like Russell Westbrook is the kind of guy that if there's no camera in the gym on a Tuesday night and you're playing in Charlotte, he's still trying to murder you. And that matters. It just does. The kind of guy that is like has that kind of spirit, I think has a profound effect on a basketball team. And uh, now, yes, he is a flawed basketball player. I, I somehow have turned into a Russell Westbrook defender, and this was never my intention. But I will tell you, as I've watched this guy play now, you know, dozens of games in person over my lifetime, I watch him and I am in absolute awe about how he is constantly just trying to kill you on the court. And I do think his teammates feed off of that. And I think it will have a profound effect on Washington. And I'm kind of surprised that people don't look at them. I look at them now as I will be surprised if they are not a playoff team. I don't give a damn how low people's opinions are of Russell Westbrook. You don't have two players that good. What, what non-playoff team has players as good as Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on it? I mean, that is a hell of a backcourt. You know what I think it is, Chris? I think the Wizards were so bad last year. I mean, they missed the playoffs in the East. They were bad. People didn't realize or they don't fully grasp how unbelievable Bradley Beal was. I mean, he I mean, he because he, 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 he got no accolades. He, he got, got no, no accolades. accolades. Yeah. And that's because they weren't winning. That's right. But the fact is. The fact is, is that he had a season where he averaged 30.5 points, 6.1 assists with a 57.9 true shooting percentage that those three numbers have all only ever been exceeded in a single season by James Harden, Michael Jordan, 
and Oscar Robertson. That's crazy. I know you can say I'm cherry picking stats or whatever, but that's the facts. Those three statistics have only been surpassed by those three legends. Beal had an unbelievable year. I don't care if it was on a bad non-playoff team in the East or not. Everything Beal has always done has worked in winning situations. When the Wizards were in playoffs, it has worked in losing situations like it did last year. It's going to work this coming season. Well, no I look at it and I say, I, say, I say you got Westbrook and Beal. You should be able to put three pretty good guys around him. I didn't like the Berton's contract, but Berton's a good – I don't like it. He's a good player. I like it for the next two years. He's you know what I'm saying? Player. Like, And again, but you got him on the outside that you can also throw it out to with these two incredibly dynamic players – and then, you know, look, the roster's you got other good not, players, man. Troy Brown's really good, dude. He got better over the course of the year. What if Rui takes a leap? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they got they, they got some guys. Denny Avdia, one of the most NBA-ready players in the entire draft. And some of those guys, like, they're going to be I, – I think this isn't development mode anymore. They're going to be no. thrown in the water, and it's going to be sink or swim for their young guys on that team, and we'll see who survives. You know what I mean? Uh, of the Troy Browns and the Ruiz and the whoever. But – Scott Brooks, I mean, he knows how to coach Russell Westbrook, right? I think that is an element uh, that is important here. And then we haven't spent a lot of time on the other side, which is, you know, this feels like this is going very quickly towards nobody believing that James Harden is going to be a member of the Houston Rockets post-trade deadline, even if they hold on to him at the beginning of this year. Is is he going to be there for the long haul? And do you think that this move is a signal that that's what is to come? Or do you think that this was legitimately a move to try to... I, I, I understand the situation with Westbrook and that had to change course. But do you think that they looked at this as a basketball move that can improve us? And it's hard to understand what they did with you know, Covington going elsewhere and they do, they signed a free agent in Christian Wood, which is a free agent move that you liked a great deal. Yeah. I, um, that, yeah. I just, I don't know. Do you think they look at, I know what they're saying, but do you think that they are making that deal thinking this makes us a better team or do they just acknowledge it's not going to make us a better team, but we need to do this because the other thing is untenable. You know, I think it's largely due to just the fact that they traded. They they had to trade Westbrook. He wanted out. He wasn't showing up to camp. And like I said earlier. But Harden uh, wants I, out too. <laughs> Harden wants out too, but you're not going to trade James Harden. That would be stupid. It'd be dumb to trade James Harden considering the lack of uh, godfather offers that's not out there. There's no offer that you're like, you know what? Screw it. We got to do it now. Like, we don't want to, but we got to do it. That's not out there. But trading Russ you know, I, I've heard from a number of different people around the league that Houston sort of looked at this like, all right, we know it's not going to work with Russ and Harden. They both want out and basketball reasons. Russ doesn't get respect in the half court when Harden's dominating the ball. Try to find the best, bas best possible basketball fit. And with Wall, similar-esque player to Westbrook and that he should get a lot of at-rim chances with his explosiveness, assuming he's able to stay healthy. Yeah, and he's knows? also a better shooter than Westbrook is. So could it be an upgrade? Maybe. No if, no it, could be a, it could be a fit upgrade if Wall is anything like he was before or maybe even like with a more mature style. Because again, 
when I reported that wizard story back in July, I talked to John Wall and he, I mean, players and coaches and GMs, they say stuff all the time and it's hard to know what they're just feeding the media, feeding fans to make them happy and satisfied. They give him a good quote, but I did sense Wall had some accountability for his style of play. He said the reason why I was somebody who dominated the ball so often was because Beal wasn't the level of player that he is right now. That was my role and what I had to do. But now that Beal has become the star player, he said, I'm open to cutting off ball and spotting out more and, and sharing the ball with him. You would think if that's true, if he's going to walk the talk here, he would do that with Harden as well. And Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that for Harden, Wall was the preference over Westbrook for him, which, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what Harden wants. One year ago, he didn't want to play with Chris Paul, and so they traded Paul and all these draft picks to get Westbrook, and maybe now he apparently prefers to play with Wall instead of Westbrook, so they're flipping Westbrook. I mean, who knows, man? James Harden might not know what he wants. Maybe, maybe well, the, the Westbrook ba- thing may- is crazy because may- it's maybe, not like they one, were just one, one a pairing thing, Chris, out of nowhere. One, one other thought, though. Maybe the biggest mistake was giving Harden all that power. Maybe that was the biggest mistake. I understand the Paul thing, right? Like Paul, Paul has clashed with other guys, right? Like he's not the easiest guy in the world to play with. I freely admit that because he is an absolute Rottweiler, right? And he's not always easy on his teammates. I mean, you saw at the end of that Clippers run, you would see like it, it felt like, you know, Blake and DeAndre and those guys have been pretty beaten down by this guy, right? Uh, Even though I'm a huge Chris Ball fan and admirer, I understand. And many of the great players are not the easiest uh, because they care so deeply um, and are such perfectionists about things. That being said, it's different with the Paul thing than the Westbrook thing because we were sold the bill of goods that they were friends and that and they had played basketball together. It wasn't like a pairing out of nowhere. Hey, let's see how this works. That was a, we know each other and we've played basketball together and we've known each other since we were in our young 20s and we do want to pair up and this is going to be great. And it's crazy to think that within a year's time, that obviously, more so that people could talk basketball, this is in a, a relationship evaporation that caused this because both of them were talking about wanting to play elsewhere. Well, my my understanding year. is that part of Westbrook's desire to want to trade was simply because Harden wanted a trade out. Yeah. Like there, there was an aspect where, where he wanted his old role back and he knew he couldn't get that in Houston playing next to James Harden or he thought he couldn't get it next playing next to James Harden with D'Antoni as the coach who knows with Silas, wow. but he wanted out. He wanted out nonetheless, period. And he got his way out. And it's also tough on players. We know. Look, they look up. It's not the same guy running the team anymore, you know, with Daryl. It's not the same guy coaching them anymore. All the stuff they signed up for, it's not the same guys flanking you (laughs) anymore, right? Robert Tuffington is going to play in Portland. And now you're playing with Christian Wood. And you're back. I mean, so everything's changed. And there have been, we're not speaking out of school, multiple reports that they were not happy about the Steven Silas. Neither of them were excited about the Steven Silas. Which is, which is disappointing, which is really disappointing. Steven Silas, a highly accomplished assistant coach, highly well regarded. And for all the conversation this year about, you know, you, the NBA, there got has to be more black head coaches. 
more black general managers. Silas was given an opportunity that he rightfully deserves and has long deserved. It sucks that this has sort of been some of the response there from Westbrook and Harden. It's like, he's a good coach. And I just wish, and I hope for Houston's part that Harden, I hope for them and for him that this works out. Like it would well, be kind of nice if it does. Cause Silas is a good coach coming from Dallas. He can adapt some of what they did and install it here. Christian Wood there. Look, is this a bad starting five? Christian Wood, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, James Harden, John Wall. That's not a bad starting five. That's not bad. What if Boogie is able to come off the bench and provide some energy for you? You got Sterling Brown. Ben McLemore was good last year. This isn't a bad team. No, 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 no. It's a good team. That's right. It, it's a, I mean, it's, uh, they're probably not home court advantage team, but it's a playoff team. It's a playoff team. Should be yeah. a playoff team. Yeah. Could it implode if Wall doesn't stay it healthy? Could. It could. Yes. It could a lot implode. does hinge on that. A lot hands on a lot John does. Wall. And good. that's what's scary here, man, because with John Wall, it, it wasn't just the Achilles injury. He had multiple knee problems, had multiple lower body problems leading up to that happening. And he did not look like himself the year and a half before the injury. Well, I read something. Uh, it might have been John Hollinger's column about like he thought, uh, you know, best case scenario is Detroit Rose. He's a good player. It's good. That's not that's not a $47 million player. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? But, I mean, what's fair is fair, right? Like they, they, Because Seth Portnow wrote a big article, you know, as many have seen, chronicling guys coming off of Achilles. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's not good. Yeah. And, and obviously, good. we're going to have two coming back this year, getting well, three, to see really, Durant. Boogie, too. Oh, yeah. And we're getting – oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the Boogie yeah. one. And those two back together – yeah. After the Kentucky days. Um, I mean, with yeah, Cousins, it's technically ACL is the most recent one. Right. But he didn't technically return from the Achilles prior to that, which puts into perspective the point here is that he had the ruptured Achilles and then a torn ACL that's that right. stopped his comeback because that's what can happen. That's what can happen with well, the Achilles and, and, injuries. And, 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 and there's no way for us to know until we see these guys play basketball. What? Yep what they're capable of. Uh, I, let me say. And short have, training camp and preseason too. Not a lot of time to prepare. We got less than 20 days until the season's opener. Look, John Wall, one of my favorite players to watch ever. Seriously. Like, with... Uh, Boy, with you, he, with, you got a real fetish for inefficient oh, shooters, don't no, you? <laughs> no, that's 16-17 six, that's six, John Wall, which is his best year. Okay. Like that guy. Well, look, they're in games. They were what a game seven away from East Finals. I mean, it's the best the Wizards have done in the last fifty years. Like he was a dynamite player. He, yeah, was, he was fun. He was a fun exciting, player. fun player. You know what I mean? He just, and he's got great charisma. So I'm hoping that you know John Wall can come back. But as a Derrick Rose fan, also there's another one for you. <laughs> as a guy who likes Derrick Rose too, I've seen what. What's happened with Derek? Derek's a good NBA player, right? But he's he's never going to be MVP. Derek Rose, no. you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. So you, here's hoping. You know, with this Houston trade, uh, since the deal happened, I've checked with a handful of people in the league and in front offices, and uh, almost all of them have said they think Houston's going to string this along as long as they can with Harden, hmm. even if it doesn't work out with John Wall. Like they're going to try everything they can to keep him there. And 
my thing is with that is let's just say it, if it works with Wall, it's easy. You know, you get a winning team. Maybe Harden's happy there. Maybe he feels like he should stay and win. He has like roots there. He has business there. It's not necessarily that Harden wants to leave Houston. It's that he wants to go to the place that gives him the best chance to win. Brooklyn is that team right now that he feels like he can win with. But can Houston steal that crown back? Maybe if Wall stays healthy. But let's just say Wall doesn't stay healthy. You know that's not true. If we're being fair, though, Kevin, you know that's not true, though. What part? He can't. He has no chance at a championship with that team. You know that. Probably not. Well, as they're controlled. Probably not. Yeah, Very if that's unlikely. what he cares about, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, for them to win a championship, John Wall would have to be better than prime John Wall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for that to happen. It's just the honest truth. It's yes. just the honest truth. Christian Wood would need to put on 15 more pounds and be able to defend bigger guys. Like, there's a lot. Boogie's going to have to stay healthy and be 70% of what his prime self was. A lot would need to break right. But let's just say it doesn't go well. John Wall isn't the same guy or he has nagging injuries or another major injury, whatever it is. If you're Houston, what is the move at that point? Because if Wall, if Wall gets, you know, his value gets further diminished, you're not moving that contract. That is a truly immovable contract. I would, I so, would try so to what, get a what, great, what can you do? I, I would try to get a great player and a million draft picks. I mean, that's kind of the, well, well that's what I'm saying. Like if you're Houston, how do you get that player or young talent? Like, look what happened. Look, they were put around to a- Harden. Like, what are you giving up for that young? Oh talent? no, no, no! I'm, I'm saying, saying I'm talking about if I'm moving Harden. That's oh, what okay. I was well, that's about. what I mean. So like, like, like the Pelicans did when they had to move no, Anthony Chris, Davis. It gets to that moment. What I'm saying is, if it's indeed true that they want to drag this along as long as they can, keep Harden as long as they can. If Wall isn't the guy they oh, hope he is, no, you put yourself is, in. A- what is the move for them? Because to me, I don't think there is a move. This all hinges on John Wall. All of it. Uh, they've got for some this tough to work. stuff, all too. I mean, look, Eric Gordon's about to start a four-year, $72 million extension. I mean, like, I they mean, got tough, man. They got tough stuff because you look around, and it's like, all right, how are we? It, when, it, when, it, when, it, when you're asking me how do you improve, it's hard to look and see, like, okay, here's assets we could move to attempt to, if we're trying to placate Harden and say, hey, we are trying to build a team that can, compete at the highest level, right? Because he's Gordon, been used to Gordon's a piece you could move probably sooner than later. You can't get much back, though. Not Maybe, not, maybe. Are you getting something that helps you win a lot more than Eric well, Gordon let's, does? Let's just That's say like a, a comparable player who's a little bit bigger, if that makes any sense. Like a bigger, comparably talented player. I mean, to me, that's the type of move that you make around the edges of your roster, but there's not a lot that Houston can do. And even the assets they got back, think about that, that 2023 first round draft pick they got from the wizards. That's lottery protected in 2023, top 12 protected in 2024, top 10 protected in 2025, top eight protected in 2026. And then if it still doesn't convey, that becomes two second rounders. So the wizards, they are completely protected. If this bombs, if Westbrook and Beal are gone by the 2022, 23 season, and they're a lottery team, they still get their pick, and they I get the pick. I was really surprised that. they got all those protections on that. I was, uh, yeah. That's a good deal for Tom. Tommy Shepard did right by that. I- I'll tell you what. I don't think it's a coincidence that this deal was talked about around draft night, because that's around the time where it seemed like Charlotte might be an option. It seemed like New York might be an option, yep. and then they all went away, and then things picked up, and you get these protections that 
truly the name protections. It protects the wizards if this blows up for them. They are protected. It's okay. You know, it's okay for them. So there's not long-term risk there. But point being is that for Houston, that first-round draft pick doesn't have much trade value. It just doesn't. It's almost guaranteed to be a non-lottery pick. And if even not, if they, even if they suck, you know what I mean? That's not like, getting the pick. When, no, when you make a deal like that, you you're sitting there rooting for the team to suck. And it's like, yep. well, geez, if they suck, we don't, we don't benefit from that. It's just a tough situation. And, I, and that's why I keep coming back to the fact that I don't think this is going to work enough for Houston for them to keep hard and plugged in there. Mm. I just don't see it working because I don't. It's, also ha- just a, it's a bad deal, Kev. Like when you, you, you've probably worked places with people that are unhappy or don't want to be there. Um, and they come into work. That's hard, man. Like it's hard if, and especially if it's the best player on the team, if he's walking into training camp and he don't want to be there, you know, like I understand that you have to be a professional and you have to go about your work and whatever else, but it's going to show. Right, like it, it, as much as you want it, every everybody in that locker room knows he don't want to be there. He don't want to be on this team. He don't want to be playing with these guys. He's not going to have some meeting where he says, "Hey, I know everything you read, but let's go, let's go win a title." And by the like, way, I mean, you know? Harden isn't even that type of guy. Like he's not. No, he's not. I mean, look, I remember a couple of years back. I think it was the year. Giannis won his first MVP, if I remember correctly, or maybe the year before that, uh, a GM said to me, he's like, I don't understand everybody voting hard in his MVP. I don't get the hype for him. He's like, he's not a leader. He doesn't lead his team. And everybody talks about all these stats and on-court production, but what makes the most valuable player, the most valuable player is not all just that. It's also what they do on the bus on the plane, in the locker room at halftime, after games, between games, how they mentor players. He's like, all that is a minus for Harden compared to like a LeBron or Giannis or those other candidates we've had in recent years. And with Harden, that's another reason why with this situation for all we've argued about him over the years and how much I love him as a player, the one real knock on I have on him is the leadership. And I don't trust him as somebody to steer this rocky ride that they're on. I don't trust that he's going to be able to navigate they're this in a for tough them. spot. That is a, that, that, I, that, I don't, that's, I, I don't that's not a working. great environment to walk into training camp with. You know no. what I'm saying? Well, especially because there was also the report that not only was Harden and Westbrook unhappy, but PJ Tucker wasn't happy. Eric Gordon wasn't happy. I mean, good luck to Steven Silas. Like I, I like congratulations to him getting this gig. He, I hope he knew <laughs> the chemistry problems were as deep as they are when he said yes, please to the job. But, uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. weird, but you know, Hey, you know, you know what, if, and again, you're counting entirely too much on John wall, but, that is the kind of thing that could save a, a situation like that is a guy with this in dependent upon how he comes in. But if he's got this insane energy, let's go do this. Cause he is a gregarious guy. He is a, like he is that kind of a guy. Like yeah. they always said in the locker room, John Wall's kind of the the wild guy, and Bradley Beal's the the quiet guy in the corner more so, right? And so sometimes it's fire and ice. On that hand, it does at least infuse a little bit of energy if there's a guy that's out there that's excited to play basketball and is constantly trying to get everybody going. 
I, and on yeah, the same page. But like, I, it, it's too much to put on a guy, a new guy. But you guy. just cited the David Aldridge report, though. That I know. Appar- apparently they were unhappy with how he returned and the I shape know. he was in. That's not what leaders do. I leaders know. come in and they set the tone. They're the first there. They practice the hardest. They're the ones setting a tone okay, for fine. everybody You're right. else. They're going to suck. I agree. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> it's a disaster and it's hurtling towards uh, hell. It sucks. I feel so bad for Rockets fans. Shout out to our ringer co-worker, my friend, Sean, you our resident Rockets fan here. I'm sorry. It stinks. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right, Kevin, we do have to get to a few news and notes. Um, Great news for Lakers fans. They needed more great news after coming off a championship. that Anthony Davis and LeBron James both extended their contracts for an extreme amount of money. Um, both, if there is no argument that both are worth every single penny, uh, but it also leads to the conversation of, and you've talked about this a lot, and I agree, that the story is not written with LeBron James. They just mm-hmm. won a title last year. They will be the prohibitive favorite mm-hmm. to return uh, to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals this year, barring injury. That, that is a, it is objectively a better team than that was last year. And we said this, uh, that this was the scary thing when we're watching them in the bubble playoffs, which was, this is probably the worst version of the LeBron AD team, you know, in terms of what they're flanked with. And I beat up their supporting cast I I have I've said many times like I thought they've done an extremely great job this offseason and it's a downright frightening proposition when you see them 
and what they've built around LeBron and AD, they can lose one of those guys for 15 to 20 games and be okay. I hope they don't, but they could. Um, whereas that was always going to be a, a tough road to hoe last year, if that were so. Um, now it's extended, and anybody that had these pipe dreams of signing Anthony Davis in a couple of years, like, okay, you could go ahead and cross that off. <laughs> Forget about that. And so we know we're getting at least, what, three, four more years of LeBron and AD there with the Lakers, and it's just going to be a matter of who the other 10 guys on the roster are? So uh, a couple of quick thoughts here. LeBron's deal is through the 2022-23 season. AD's deal is through 24-25 with a player option for that year, 24-25. So AD signed a five-year max extension. That's noteworthy because I've had a number of conversations with execs and agents recently that have made the point that because of the uncertainty with the coronavirus pandemic and how that could affect the salary cap in the coming years and possibly even the collective bargaining agreement, there's some thought that you'll see some big name players like AD or even like Giannis sign, sign on that dotted line uh, for a longer term deal to lock up a big time amount of money and have long term security. When uh, normally you probably would have seen AD, AD sign a two plus one contract that would have him taken would have taken him to the ten year max extension where he could have made more. That that's a chatter because it's yes. a, a bird in the hand. You're exactly. right. They look at it and they say, okay. Just I'm 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 pretty comfortable with five years, one hundred and eighty million dollars or one hundred and ninety million dollars, right? And, and ultimately, will that influence Giannis's decision? You know, after the offseason they had getting Drew Holiday, we'll see about that. Um, but real, on a real related quick twenty second timeout, just to you know, just go back. Yeah, Harden didn't sign that. He didn't know they offered him that, yeah. right? So that mm-hmm. is at least one example, right? Yes. That is the difference between. What happened with Anthony Davis? Because Harden could have locked that number in. They offered it to him, mm-hmm. and he didn't, which also led us yep. to believe that sure. he clearly is signifying, I'm, I don't necessarily want to be here for the long haul. And with LeBron's deal ending in 22-23, that's noteworthy because his son graduates high school in 2023. The NBA right now doesn't allow high schoolers to go straight to the N- to the NBA. Maybe by then that age could change or maybe by that point, you know, he plays one year in college and LeBron does a one year extension with the Lakers. I find that interesting, but the timing of the deal for the high school side with his son, I think we're gonna, if Bronny keeps getting better, there's a strong chance with his skill level as a passer. Like this isn't just ESPN hype. It's not just media manufactured hype. Bronny James is a good prospect for a high school freshman. Oh my God. I saw yes. a highlight video of him the other day. He He's is killed. huge. He's gotten bigger. He's and huge. He was standing next to his dad and I was like, he what pretty the good. hell? He looked like he grew a couple inches over the, the whole hiatus since we I last mean, unless, saw him in high school. Unless LeBron was like hunching down for some yeah. reason. He looked a little bigger. He looked, his neck looked a little stronger. He looked like he was growing up. Uh, like like high schoolers do, and so there's a chance he's he becomes an NBA player. No guarantees, but a good, but a chance. So with LeBron, there's that possibility. But also this: look at it from the Lakers' perspective. For the 23-24 season, AD is their only salary on the on the payroll. So theoretically, if LeBron were to leave that offseason to go play with his son somewhere, or if LeBron even were to resign. The Lakers could still have, either way, a max slot to bring in another guy to play with AD. 
they are in position for that offseason to possibly lose LeBron, but still be a franchise that's a destination for another star. So for AD, oh no, you're is, gonna, they're about to crank up the Zion stuff. Get well, both the, the Pelicans. <laughs> that would be horrible. That would be horrible. <laughs> both both Pelican guys. That's messed up, man. Leave it, leave Zion alone. I'm not trying to start anything. Oh boy, oh boy. But you know, you uh, keep Javarant's name out your damn mouth. By the way, <laughs> well, th- that that's gonna be the summer we see some of the guys, depending on the length of their deals, from last summer's resignings or this summer's restricted free agent signings, depending on the timing and the length of the deal. That's the off season. We'll see some of those guys pop up there. So, you know, the Lakers and AD specifically to me, they made a, a wise decision based off the pandemic, based on the long view here to position themselves for the next guy for either post LeBron or with LeBron on a shorter term. And that is the difference between those two teams in LA and what was this grand battle with the whole Kawhi and Paul George thing last year, which is now the Lakers, we feel confident. They are going they are going to be awesome for at least the next four years, probably longer. Yeah. Clippers, who knows? Who knows what the timeline is on that? We really don't. You could look up and within a year's time, right? Like because they don't have that same commitment. And that, that's what happens out. when you win. That's what happens when you win. Well, one thing I want to say, let's not forget. One of the teams Kawhi had in consideration oh was the Knicks. I'm just saying, what if the Knicks look like the more appealing team to Kawhi after the season? It probably won't happen. He don't like the cold. Remember they said he, he, yeah, he lives yeah. in San Diego, for God's yeah, sake. New York's, a, New York's a great city, though. Like New York is one of those cold weather cities where I'd still be happy. Well, you got they got to move to somebody because now they're not getting Anthony Davis. With, with Paul George, you know... He's got to oh, be the you, guy. You kind of went at it a little bit, well, huh? I, I, <laughs> I saw it on uh, Twitter.com. I well, he saw said, it. He said on all the Smoke podcasts uh, with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, quote, Doc was trying to play me as a Ray Allen or a J.J. Redick, all pin downs. I can do it, but that ain't my game. I need some flow. I need some mixes of some pick and roll and post-ups. That last season was hard. And I took issue with that comment because despite how much I've knocked Doc Rivers for blowing countless 3-1 leads in the playoffs for lack of adjustments, I never had an issue with his role for Paul George. I thought it was fine. Paul George, you know, Doc Rivers' role didn't cause Paul George to hit the side of the backboard in game seven elimination game in the fourth quarter. I mean, so I looked up the stats. That's all I did. And I tweeted out, interesting comment. Paul George finished 33% of his total plays using the pick and roll, which was a career high. The prior high was 25% and OKC, according to Synergy. That's nothing, nothing like a Ray Allen or JJ Redick role. And not only that, he had many other seasons in which he'd logged more shot attempts off of handoffs and screens than he did in his first season with the Clippers under Doc Rivers. To me, it just came off as this major excuse, and there was already countless reports, namely from multiple writers at The Athletic, that said there's a lack of accountability. There's a lack of accountability with Paul George. To me, that statement just was everything people have been reporting for months about him. Do you... When you wrote... The following. Interesting comment. Does that mean that you truly think that that comment is interesting? (laughs) Or is that your way of saying this is colossal bullshit? 
<laughs> when and you I know? just need this as a reference point in the future. When when you say something to me and you say that's an interesting <laughs> comment, Chris, does that actually mean that? It is colossal bullshit. Well, no. I mean, so w- when I say interesting, I, t- I really tend to mean interesting. In that case, all you got to do is pull up the, co- the quote tweets in response <laughs> to mine. Everybody else spoke for me. They found it to interesting give you an also. They all, everybody everybody found that me. very interesting. <laughs> what Paul George had to say. <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, like in all seriousness, they're not going to win unless there's accountability from the best players on the team. There's got to be accountability. Like, why? Why? I, like, I mean this with like all due respect for him, to him, to Paul George. But like, why would your response not be like, you know what? Like, the role wasn't my ideal role. Like, I, you know, I I wish there was a little bit more balance. I got to get used to playing with a star like Kawhi. But ultimately, I just got to be better as a player. I need to lead these guys. Like, just take ownership. Take ownership. Your love, that level of a player. People talk about Paul George like he's a top ten player, which he's not. He's not a top 10 player. And then this is one of the reasons why. This is one of the reasons why. Mindset. He had one spectacular season. Other than that, he's been very good. Very good player. Not a great player. Prove it. Show it. A couple other stories that we do need to get to. Uh, Shav Sharania reported that the NBA All-Star break looks like it's going to be March 5th through the 10th this year. And then the trade deadline. So for marking down our calendars, uh, it's going to be roughly tentatively the 25th of March. And so, you know, much like the season being pushed back a little more than a month, typically, I think the last, last year's all-star game was, well, I remember it was uh Valentine's weekend. It was Valentine's weekend uh, is when that was going on. And so this clearly pushed back three weeks from then, which is um, kind of in line, but I, I look, it's pretty clear they're having an all-star break. That was one of the things that was on the table as to, hey, will there even be an all-star break when there is only a 72-game season? But they're getting that in. Hopefully, I mean, obviously, we hope against hope that by March 5th through the 10th, you could have fans there and that this would be a real all-star experience rather than a— No, no, there's not going to be an all-star game, right? I thought that was canceled. Oh, it is? all-star game. I believe so. I don't think so. all-star game— the actual game is canceled, but they're going to have All Star Weekend because they reported the report yeah, the, was yeah, that yeah, the, the end. No, it's like this was like All Star break, but All Star the game All Star game itself they're not was actually canceled. going to have the game in twenty twenty one. It was canceled. It was supposed to be in Indianapolis. Yeah, they moved it to twenty twenty four. Okay, so, so there's there will be no All Star game, but there will still be an All Star break. And what's uh, interesting though is yeah. they did move the trade deadline to after. The all-star break that's been unlike recent years where it's been moved ahead of it. And a lot of GMs, a lot of executives found value in congregating down to, you know, wherever the yeah. all-star game was and having conversations there. Now they changed it back. I wonder if that's something I was there teams, for Chicago last, last year. And I mean, God, it was it, it, it. We got there. It was negative 20. Why do they have it in cold weather cities? Negative 20. Why? Why? I mean, Chicago. I love Chicago. Chicago in the winter, I don't love Chicago. <laughs> it is so damn cold. It is so cold. And you're down there by freaking Lake Michigan. It was freezing everywhere you had to go. We're just trying to walk over to uh, Lou Malnati's. You oh, know, yeah. and, like, Lou Malnati's is so good. I, oh, I've been I've bro. been dieting. I've been dieting like the last three weeks, and I've lost like 
15 pounds or something let's like go. that. Let's go. A lot of water weight. Let's, let's what kind, not, of, know, what kind of diet? Some, the diet I did back in 2011, I lost 40 pounds in 2011. I went from 210 to 170 in, in 2011. It was this book called The 17-Day Diet. And basically, it's multiple cycles. You know, the first cycle is like a lot of, you know, turkey, chicken, fish, vegetables, and no carbs for the first 17 days. And then the next cycle of Wait, 17, 17 days, days with no carbs? 17 days of no carbs, yeah. Man, I'm 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 glad you haven't snapped at me too much. No, boy, I'm good, man. I'm I've done good. the no carb thing. Boy, I get pissed. I get really? a headache too, yeah. So, yeah, you know, like my first time doing it back in 2011, I got headaches a lot the first 17 days. But this time around, I had headaches for one day. And that's because even though right now, I mean, or a couple of weeks ago, I was heavier than I've ever been. I was 220. Looked on the scale and I'm like, you know what? I got to just start the diet tomorrow. Like that was the day it clicked. And the 17 day diet for me, I think I've realized while doing this diet again, you you got to make dieting something that you don't hate. Like It's really as simple as that. You can't hate it. You can't feel like you have to work out in the gym or do workouts for too long. This diet, you know, I can slow play it. I can work out 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, or if I want to ramp it up and do a bunch of, you know, heavier workouts, I can do that too, you know, but Kevin O protein, but you know, for me, I know I'll get to my target weight. It's just a matter of how much I want to push myself with the workouts, which with the diet, I can fluctuate that and do it as much, you know, or as little as I want, you know, you gotta, you gotta make it something you enjoy. The point is no Lou Malnati's for you. I will eat all No Lou Malnati's (laughs) for me, but I'll tell you what, Chris, I'll tell you what. Once I hit like a benchmark weight, I'd love to get some pizzas with my mom because earlier in the year we did order some of those Lumanati's pizzas from Goldbelly. Yep. And I heard I heard Amazing. actually Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons and Dave Chang were talking about this on Bill's pod earlier this week, which was a fantastic conversation. They got like I highly recommend if you're not already listening to Bill's pod, listen to the combo with Dave Chang. They get you into love Dave Chang too. I love Dave. He's an awesome guy. He's unbelievable and they got into a lot of like the problems restaurants are facing and the importance of supporting your favorite local restaurants right now through the pandemic because they're getting hit so hard what was the one we went to here is in, uh, in vegas me and Momofuku. you oh Momofuku. So unbelievable so wasn't that unbelievable. yeah it's one of the best meals Shout you've out ever to had Dave Chang. Well, well, no, but, yeah, so but, they, but they like, but Momofuku is now on gold belly where you can order certain dishes really and the lou malnati's pizza from Gold Belly, like it, I think it was Gold Belly. Maybe it was another site, but I believe it's on Gold Belly. It travels unbelievably well. Oh, no, it well. is the it's, best. It's like at the worst. The dry ice, the dry yeah, ice. Yeah, it's at worst like 90% of what it is when they serve it so to you good. on the table or you take it out, right? It's awesome. So, you know, if you've never been to Chicago, but you want to try their deep dish Lumanades. pizza, just give it so a try good. and like you you and your family or you and your roommates or whatever, you will love it. It's so good. But right now I can't enjoy that. <laughs> people people can go look up uh, a lot of the NBA schedule for the first week. In fact, uh, almost all of it for the first week has come out. I think by the time people listen to this podcast um, on Friday is the expected release of the NBA schedule, at least the first half for all these teams. It became pretty clear just from what has been reported so far, Kev, uh, before we get out of here, they are obviously still going to be featuring Steph Curry on national TV. The Nets, clearly now with their acquisition of Kevin Durant, are going to be a team that we did we rarely saw on national TV, but immediately uh, will. And also the other one, like n- none of the other ones particularly surprised me. It, it at least 
on the surface, it seems like a lot of the team stars that you would expect, but that this year it was interesting that the Suns are going to get one of the first games and you have not seen them on national TV in a long time outside of maybe a late game here and there where they're playing in LA or something. Um, but the Mavs, few national TV games right off the bat. That is the, the Luca deal. We know the Pelicans were regretfully on national TV a thousand times last year. They will be on national TV with Zion again, that seems. But the Mavs stood out to me and the Nets as teams that were already scheduled in that first week because that kind of lends you to know who the NBA is really looking at featuring maybe a little more this year than they have in past years. Sure, yeah. And you know what? Makes sense. I'm happy with that opening week schedule, and it's going to be weird this Luka's year. A, the Luka's a blast to watch. and yeah. th- Right? That could be- and, and that opening game on December 23rd, Mavericks-Suns, what an awesome matchup. This, this revamped Mavericks lineup around Luka with the Suns, now with Chris Paul and the additions they've made. Like that, to me, that could be a playoff preview matchup on their opening night. I, 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 I'm really excited, man. I, I think this season's going to be a challenge with coronavirus. Like there will be delays and postponements and, you know, some confusion and challenges all along the way. But from a basketball standpoint, the Lakers are the favorite and they will be my pick to win it all. And I believe they will repeat. But after that, it, it, there's a lot of teams that are in like that next level. You also, uh, team, think, right? you, you also see it spread out too. You know, now look, say what you want about Westbrook. He he is a guy that has been on TV quite a bit in the past. And so now him being in Washington and Durant being in Brooklyn, be interesting to monitor and see if the ratings can take a tick up from the disaster that they had because you you've got Curry back, you're right, with the Warriors, and you do have some new stars on that East Coast for the early games where you kind of got into that problem where Warriors, Lakers were like, and, and Clippers, and their games are at nine thirty, and that's that's tough. You know, it's tough as you've been on the East Coast. Those games no, are no, later. No, no. Shit. I trust me, dude. Like when it comes to football and when it comes to late night basketball games, I miss California a lot. <laughs> it, it's it makes it so much better when it comes to watching sports. You know, it's a diehard fan or covering it covering it professionally, but like, you know. It's going to be a fun year, I think, overall. And I, the other aspect that could impact the ratings, too, is the fact that the Lakers are a legitimate threat, a strong threat to repeat. And people feed off of dynasties. They feed off of potential dynasties. They domination. feed off of juggernauts and domination. Yes. So that that is going to be an aspect that I would think brings in a lot more casual fans. A lot more casual got, fans Because it's got that, that old it, – it, because, because of them winning, it's got that old Warriors – feel where it's like every time every time they lose it'll be a story you know what i mean but Maybe. that's because yeah, they want no point. it just is it just, that's be. the way it is you know yeah. what i mean like With if they teams. lose opening night to the clippers like last year <laughs> it's all but it's always your team's biggest win you know what i mean when a team's that awesome and it's featuring lebron james and anthony davis on the same team and they're the reigning champions now Right. So that adds a little more gravitas to it. Kevin, before we get out of here, we'll remind people one more time. uh, Extremely appreciative of everybody that has come along the ride with us with the mismatch. And you can subscribe. And we need you to subscribe because we are no longer going to be on the Ringer NBA show feed after 
this episode that you're listening to right now. So you got to go subscribe to The Mismatch to find us so you're not scrambling around and tweeting us on Tuesday. Where the hell's the pod? <laughs> we're telling you. You know what? Yeah, we're, we're, we're telling you now. So go down to the description of this podcast. Click the link or hyperlink to Spotify, Apple, or search for The Mismatch on any app that you use to listen to podcasts. And you know what? We'll remind you again uh, in future shows because I'll be staying on the Ringer NBA show feed uh, in some capacity. I'm not sure which day I'm going to be hosting a show. I think it might be bi-weekly or weekly. I'm not sure yet, but I'll be hosting a show on the feed. So I'll always be nudging people on that show once that's out sometime in December or January. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care you know. about that. No, you don't care about that? You're not going <laughs> to listen? Kidding. You're not going to be... <laughs> but point being, point being, Nobody, don't don't unsub from no, the NBA God, show no. feed because we have the show that I'll be hosting coming yes. up. We get real ones That's right. with Logan and Raja, which is awesome. Group chat still on the feed. And I believe there's some other show in the works as well, which will be announced at a later date, later date. But by moving us off this feed, that opens up two days for other stuff. So I'm, I'm excited as to be a listener of the feed and a host on the feed once a week. But, um, Chris, it's been awesome the last four seasons on the Ringer NBA show, and I'm excited for the future with the mismatch. It's going to be awesome, dude. For us to be able to be blessed uh, with this after going through a pandemic season makes it all all the better. <laughs> you know what I mean? That really shows uh, how awesome our listeners have been to us through They're all amazing. of this. Uh, yeah. Our listeners all through it, man. All through the hiatus. All through everything. I mean, it's uh, it's That's always great. fun. I mean, I, you know what I miss? I miss a lot of things from prior to this year with the pandemic. But one of the things I do miss most is just bumping into people at games or oh, yeah. even in the street or like, you know, concourse outside. And they'd be like, love the show with you and Verno. You know, like I have this great clip from someone at the Nets game, which I feel like we should use for a, uh, for a teaser. Oh, where a guy jumped know? on me, right? You got yeah, him. He, you videoed he, he him yelling at me. He hated on you for your Kyrie take or something How like that. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how's that going? Guy? He's like, he's, <laughs> how's that he's going? Like, flat it's earther. third eye season. It's third, third eye, eye season. Third eye season. You responded to me on Twitter about Kyrie Irving. You're a hater. He's an amazing guy. Third eye season. Third eye. Dude, I'm going to be listening next Friday and Tuesday. Don't forget. Twice a week. All right. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. <laughs> and make sure you go subscribe to The Mismatch. Yeah. We will talk to you on Tuesday.